The following podcast was recorded on Wednesday, July 6, 2022, featuring Jim Bianco of Bianco Research. To hear the podcast in real time, you can sign up for a free trial at biancoresearch.com or arborresearch.com or by emailing Gus Handler directly at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. You can also call Arbor Research and Trading at 1-800-606-1872. Thanks for your time and enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone to the latest edition of Talking Data. I'm your host, Kristen Radish with Arbor Research and Trading, joined today by our presenter, Jim Bianco of Bianco Research. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for having me. Today, Jim discusses recession or inflation, which matters more. Jim, get us started off today. What's the latest with real growth? Yeah, before we talk about which matters more, let's set this table here. So if we go to the first chart on our uh, handout here, this is from the Atlanta Fed GDP. It is their GDP tracker. Now, what is a tracker? They look at all of the, remember GDP is an aggregation of other statistics in order to calculate GDP. So they look at the statistics that have been released for the quarter that go into the GDP report and how are they tracking? What pace are they tracking? Now, when GDP comes out, we're still missing most of June's numbers and some of April and May's numbers get revised. So this is not as precise as it sounds. It's sort of like, as I've, I've said, it's like taking your split at the 10 mile mark in a marathon and assuming that you're gonna go at the same pace for the next 16 miles. Well, you might or you might not. Uh, <laughs> so it's a pretty good indication. But what's interesting about the GDP tracker from the Atlanta Fed is the last update on Friday for construction spending in ISM came in at minus 2.1%. So if we go to the next chart, the Atlanta Fed does, gives us some great plethora of statistics on their measure that they started in 2011. So, <coughs> excuse me, I looked at the forecast error, that's the top in blue, and I looked at the absolute error, you know, taking the sign out, how much does it deviate, and I looked at the largest forecasting error to the upside. And I drew a horizontal line at 2.1%. Now, I took out the second quarter of 2020 because that was the minus 35% quarter when we locked down the economy. That's not at play this time around. In order for the GDP, the Atlanta Fed GDP to be off by more than 2.1%, in other words, it's projecting 2.1%, but we actually print a positive, it would have to be the biggest error in its 11-year history on the upside. Um, that's always possible. You know, there's nothing that says that it can't be, but it's never happened before. So what this suggests is we're probably going to print a second negative number. Uh, remember, the first quarter's GDP number was minus 1.6%, and we'll have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Now, there's a big controversy, say, on financial Twitter and everywhere else. It is correct that a recession is whatever the National Bureau of Economic Research Business Cycle Committee says is a recession. That is the absolute definition of a recession. They go to great pains to say it does not have to mean two negative quarters, which is kind of the convention that everybody uses. And that's correct. There's been plenty of recessions like the 2001 recession where you never had two negative quarters. But, big but here, Every time we've had two negative quarters in history, it's always been a recession. So if that happens, and if it survives the revisions, 
the odds on favor that it would be a recession. So real growth is not looking good. It might be looking recessionary. If we jump to the next chart, uh, University of Michigan started their survey, consumer confidence survey in 1952. From 1952 to 1977, it was quarterly and it's been monthly since 1977. Every, the shaded areas on the chart are recessions. Every time it's made a new all-time low, it's always been in a recession. Made a new all-time low in June, which is actually kind of surprising. Think about all the things that have happened in the last 70 years. Kennedy assassination, the high oil prices in the 70s, runaway inflation in the late 70s, stock market crash, um, Gulf War, Great Recession, financial crisis, COVID lockdown. Now we get the 70-year extreme low in consumer confidence. Not any of those other periods in the past. But every time that this statistic has been at a new low, it's been in a recession. We jump to the next chart. Uh, this is a table. And it shows um, on the right, um, it, excuse me, it shows the start of a bear market defined by a 20% correction in the stock market and the start of a recession date in the second column. Look at the bottom column. June 16th, the stock market finally closed more than 20% down from its January 3rd high. If you look at the third column over, it says dates between bear market and recession. They're all positive, meaning that whenever you've had a 20% a correction, it is never predicted a, a I'm sorry, let me say that again. Whenever you've had a 20% correction in the stock market, it's never predicted a recession. You are already in it. So what this suggests is that on June 16th, the day that we got the 20% correction, the same month we got the all-time low in um, the consumer confidence, the recession has already started, which might also be part of the same quarter that you had uh, a negative 2.1% projection by the Atlanta Fed, which would be unusual or unprecedented to see if missed by that much. So everything seems to be pointing at recession. We go to the final chart in this sequence. This is the yield curve. So the bottom panel shows you the two-year and the 10-year. And the top panel shows you the difference between the two in blue. And it just snuck out to being negative again. Now, the yield curve has been largely understood as a good leading indicator of a recession. And when it, the key word I want to use here, the word of the year, persistently inverts. So it just doesn't invert by one basis point for an hour, but it stays inverted for a couple of weeks or a month. That's supposed to project a recession. We haven't quite got there yet. We are negative again, but we haven't had that persistence. And it's interesting because earlier this year, a lot of Wall Street was saying, oh, the yield curve may not work anymore as an indicator of a recession. And that they were trying to argue earlier this year was it might invert and we could avoid a recession. In fact, we might be getting the opposite. We're going to get a recession without an inversion. And that's uh, what seems to be happening. So if you sum it all up, this is part of the reason why I think a lot of Wall Street is very worried about real growth. The way I like to put it with these statistics and some others that are not looking that hot, the, the onus is on those that think it's not a recession to explain. The onus is not on those that think it is a recession to explain. In fact, I'd go you one step further. Given all the statistics I just went through, if we don't have a recession, that would be unusual. 
to see this much statistics go this bad and still avoid it. And Jim, what about inflation? What is the latest? Yeah, so now we got to go to the other side of the equation. <clears throat> this comes from the Cleveland Fed. So we were using the Atlanta Fed for GDP, real GDP. Cleveland Fed does a nowcast for inflation. Now, what is their nowcast? They start off with the base assumption that last month's number will look like this month's number. And then they adjust it for what they call high frequency data, gasoline prices, food prices, anything else, auto, auto prices that they could get during the month to try and adjust it. If you look at the top uh, table, the bottom panel, they are projecting that June's CPI, which is out next week, will be at 0.97%. Now, the um, Cleveland Fed's number is not that awful. I mean, it misses, but it doesn't miss by a lot. And lately, it's been undershooting the number. It doesn't mean it has to keep undershooting, but it has lately been undershooting. So it's saying that we're going to get another 1% number in June for the month. Why I say another? Because we got 1% May. And by the way, that is the consensus on Bloomberg, too, from economists is 1%. Uh, if you look at the uh, second panel, the bottom panel, that puts you at 8.6%, 8.67 to be exact, around it to 8.7. That means we should make a new cyclical high in inflation. Remember, the current high now is 8.6% set in May year over year. This is projecting 8.7% projecting year over year. So there's going to be no backing off of inflation. And by the way, fun statistic, I get this question all the time. What happens if inflation were to drop back to, say, 5% by the end of the year? If we get 0.97 in June, we will already have 5% inflation for the year done. In order to have 5% at the end of the year, we'd have to have inflation average zero for the next six months. I don't think it's averaged zero for a six-month period since the 1950s um, at this point. Now, it's possible if crude oil prices were to really collapse and the economy were to really collapse to get that, but you would need a catastrophic kind of recession. So for those that think, well, what happens when inflation moderates to 5 or 6%? It's already done that in the first six months of the year. We're running at a 10% annualized rate. July, July says showing you right now that we're looking at 0 0.3, 0 0.29 to be exact. By the way, this is a July 1st update. The most current update came out moments before we started. It's already up to 0.4 right now. And that's important because if we jump to the next chart and the next chart <coughs> shows you, this is monthly CPI. For June of 21, it was nine tenths of a percent. We're going to drop that and replace it with June of 22, potentially with 1%. That's why the year-over-year -year number is going to jump from 0.6 to 0.7 on a big number. But look at July, 0.5. And August was 0.3. This was a year ago. And September was 0.4. The numbers that we're going to drop off in the 12-month calculation go down a lot. So if we see inflation monthly moderate to 0.4, 0.5, 0.3, for the next couple of months, we could still have 8% inflation year over year persist into September or October. If that were to happen, I don't see any way that the Fed could say, okay, mission accomplished. We've reined in inflation expectations. We can back off on the rate hikes. They got to keep going and going and going until they see inflation really start to moderate. And so far, that is not happening. And with those numbers dropping off, it probably isn't going to happen. And by the way, if 
gasoline prices were to take off and go back above its $5.02 national average that was set a couple of weeks ago, make a new high, food prices take off, and some other prices, and we print 0.7s, 0.8s for the rest of the summer, not the 1% we're gonna, we did in May and potentially may do in June, we could see year-over-year inflation go to nine or even nine and a half before fall. And that might even start in on the conversation of 1%. Um, last chart in the sequence is the probability of a 75 basis point hike at the July meeting. It's 90%. They're going to move by 75 basis points to 225 to 250 range on the, uh, on the target rate and largely because of these inflation numbers. And by the way, this is also setting up a very uncomfortable situation for the Fed. July 27th is the meeting. The meeting on July 20th, uh, so they raise rates 75 basis points. July 28th, the next day, is the GDP, GDP report. If it prints a second consecutive number less than 24 hours after the Fed raised rates 75 basis points, we'll get a second negative GDP and everybody will scream, you're hiking into a recession. And good luck, Jay, trying to explain that one. Uh, and so that's gonna give them a very sticky type of situation. So Jim, what is the Fed's priority? Yeah, so I've laid out the case for you know slowing growth and I've laid out the case for inflation. Now, what is it that the Fed's gonna do faced with that July 27, July 28th scenario? Um, inflation's bad, we hike 75, but then we get a negative GDP. I think the Fed has been extraordinarily clear. They're going with the inflation numbers. They're not going with real growth. This is very difficult for people to get their head around because for the last many decades, it was whenever real growth wobbled, turn on the printing press. Whenever financial markets struggled, turn on the printing press. Now they're off. And if both of them struggle, they're not moving till they see indications that the inflation rate is starting down. Yes, the inflation rate is a lagging indicator. Maybe this isn't the best policy that the Fed should be following, but this is what they've clearly articulated that they're going to do. So if we continue to see 8% inflation into the fall, I'm sorry, stock market goes down too bad. The economy struggles too bad. Now, why? Because inflation affects 100% of the population. Employment, unemployment and recessions only affect some of the population. Inflation devastates those at the bottom 40%. I've said this before, less than $1,000 of savings and rent. That's who the Fed is focused on. So I understand Wall Street's desire, need, thinking, whichever one number you want to use, that the Fed is going to see the inflation numbers freak out. I'm sorry, the recessionary uh, economic numbers freak out and call off the rate hikes. I don't think they are. I think they're going to look at the inflation numbers and say, it's not coming down from eight. We got to keep going. We cannot stop on inflation. Their credibility is on the line right now. If they are to knuckle under in the fight on inflation, I think that the organization would be devastated. They know that. They know that they blew it last year with transitory. As I've often said, last year was the mistake. This year is the consequence. They have to keep going forward. So yes, all the data does look like it's pointing towards recession. Well, won't that back off the Fed? No. 
only when or if the inflation data backs off and it might not till the fall. So we might have months more of these high inflation numbers to keep the Fed at maximum hawkish. I don't think they back off. That's the stated goal. I think Powell has been very clear on that. So when met with these two conflicts, history tells you they're going to back off because infl- because recession. But Powell is telling you that the game has changed now. Their priority is inflation. If their priority doesn't start to back off, they're not going to back off on their hawkishness. So I suspect we're going to see a very hawkish Fed unless we get indications prices or inflation are backing off. If the economy goes down, if markets go down a lot, that's not going to be enough. It's going to have to be something that goes down enough that breaks the back of prices that will get the Fed to stop. But right now, we don't have that. Jim, thank you for your thoughts today. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. We are client-driven. If you have any questions or feedback, please let us know. You can contact us by emailing Gus Handler at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. Thanks again, and have a great day.